help but think of a bottle of water or whatever just being poured out as we sing that song. And sometimes I think, how tragic would it be if we stand before God when God calls us home via rapture or death, whatever, and there was plenty of water still in our bottle. We just didn't pour it all out while we were here. That's what worship is about. That's what love is about. So I hope and trust that that song will stir you to to pour out, pour out your life. Pour it out. God will keep giving you what you need if you keep pouring out God to others. As I was thinking this morning or this afternoon in my office and asking the Lord for a message that might uh, stir you to believe because there are some tremendous things in the Word of God. I mean, just tremendous, tremendous stories, tremendous accounts. God has such power, such might. I mean, he saved someone like you and me, actually changed you. That takes a lot of power, a lot of might. But there's something, there's a defect in us that just comes from this fallen nature. And our retention level is not very good. We tend to forget, tend to forget how powerful God is, how awesome God is. I mean, all of us probably, I know that we were without electric for a while, but it's been so hot. How'd you like that last electric bill? Holy mackerel. My electric bill was higher than a mortgage I used to have a lot of years ago. When you look stuff like that and you think, oh my gosh, you know, and it just seems we forget how awesome God is. I think God knew, just knew that we're made of dirt, we're frail and I mean, he gave us four Gospels because we can't even remember one. I mean, it's just the truth, and that's why we have to come to the house of God and get, oh, yeah, and, and stirred again, and, and remember. And like this morning, hopefully you were stirred, and like, oh, yes, I'm supposed to be climbing this mountain, not just trying to hang on and stay saved. And so that's kind of what tonight is like also. And, of course, a very common title, and just wanted to call it, there's no God like me. There's none. No God like the one you serve. No God like the one who redeemed you. Get this, there's no God like the one that is in you. In you. Almighty God. In our retention level, in our ability to grasp that. Man, if it doesn't take a move of God, it just goes in one ear and out the other. So we're going to look at some unbelievable stories tonight. These accounts, these people with their backs up against a wall, and God does something unusual. To deliver them and give them victory. And, and hopefully, as you and I hear this word, you'll think of your situations. Because the God you serve is an outstanding, all-powerful God. And just quite, maybe tonight, by the time we're done, you might have just a little measure of faith. Remember that little seed we used to pass out? Just that much to start to believe again about your situation, which is worse than anyone that ever went through anything and worse than all of it in the Bible. And then you just start to believe, yes, what a God we serve. What a fantastic, wonderful God. So we're going to look at some accounts. 1 Kings 8, 22. 
I mean, we're just going to be regular Joes, right? No pun intended. Just going to look at the Word and realize we're but dust. We get in situations that are above us, and we just need help, like that poor lady on the video this morning. 1 King 8.22 says, And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hand toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee. None. No God. He's proclaiming it before the people like we're doing here tonight. There's none in heaven above or on earth beneath who keeps covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. God, there's no God like thee. None whatsoever. I know what I'm like, Lord. I know my frailties, my failures, and inabilities. But Lord, I'm choosing not to concentrate on them tonight. I want to concentrate upon God, all-powerful, the one who loves me. The one who died for me. The one who will move on my behalf tonight. The one who will deliver me from every situation I find myself in. Simply because he loves me. I'm counting on him. No bells, no whistles, no videos, no gold glitter, no angel wings. Just me, Joe, wanting God to move on your behalf and my behalf. Simply because I need him. Anybody else need him to move? Like I said, let's just be real. I was a member of a message a long time ago, passed out masks, and you put these old masks on. Some of you I gave, maybe passed out about 100 of you were sitting in a congregation with the other ones looking at you. But the idea is we put masks on. We just do. And, you know, here we are tonight, and I just want us to, if we could just have raw faith, raw belief in the Word of God. No masks. You know, because the Bible talks about doubt. Don't doubt. How could you doubt God? Shame on you if you doubt God. Well, look here. I do at times. I don't mean to. I don't want to. I'm just frail. And I wonder sometimes myself, and, and then i got to shake myself out of that and think, oh, no, I'm doomed now because I, I doubted God. But we're just human beings, and God knows this. He knows we're frail. He knows we're but dust. I'm not going to stand up here and say, oh, yeah, 100%. I always, no, 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 no. We just struggle with these various things because we're, we're flesh. And so we look at the Word of God and we look at what God says through these people to stir us and encourage us that there's no God like you, O God. There's none like thee whatsoever. There's none like thee. David said this in 2 Samuel, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee. It's not just a made-up title. It's right there. There's none like thee. David proclaimed this thousands of years ago. Neither is any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Tonight, we want to hear with the ears of faith. Just like Daryl said, not what we've seen, not what we keep hearing with these natural ears, but we want to hear the Word of God because it supersedes what we see and hear with our natural senses. Moses proclaimed, and Moses said, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? Our God still does wonders. 
And I don't care if you've never saw one. God still does wonders. It's proclaimed in the Word of God. And I believe he's still a miracle-working God. No matter how many times I've doubted, been disappointed, or been misunderstood, I don't care. My God is still a miraculous, miracle-working, sea-walking, blind-eye-healing, raising-of-the-dead God. That's who I serve, and that's who my hope is in. There's no God like my God, none whatsoever. Verse 13 says, Thou in thy mercy hast led forth thy people which thou hast redeemed, thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. This is the God we serve, powerful and mighty. And we're going to look at a few accounts, a few stories in the Word of God, and, and just look at them as folks and as people and see what God does, how he does this. And he's no respecter of persons. He is not. That lady that we saw on the, the video this morning, she did not have super faith. She even said, I don't do church. She didn't know anything about it. She was just saying, this is you, if this is you. And so you don't have to have this S on our chest, super saint, because I, I don't have one. But I have a book from a super God. And we're going to look at it and see these accounts. The first one, the disciples or the people of God are, are getting beaten for many stripes. For whatever reason, we get beat down by the world. Boss don't like you because you're godly or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Verse 23 of Acts says this. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. I mean, this is not a happy occasion. This is not a fun time in Jesus. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. This is what God will do to you when your feet and hands are in stocks from circumstances or situations beyond you. You can't muster up a song. It's the Spirit of God moving upon them to give them the glorious praise even in the face of such trial. This is what God does. Everything is there. It's all sufficient God for you. No matter if your hands and feet are still in the stocks, God will come upon you with praise, and you can worship God even in that situation because there's no God like our God. There really isn't. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out a sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Now, look at the situation that these guys were in. There was no way out. They were charged to keep these people. And that makes me think that probably the jailers at that time would receive money from prisoners and let them escape. Receive money, make some money on us. Oh, I, he just escaped. And they told these guys, this better not happen to them. It'll be your head. Hopeless situation. Hopeless, like a lot of maybe you are here tonight in. 
Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Look how God turns things around. The very people that might have spit on him and, and beat them and threw them in the stocks and bunk laughed at him and mocked at him. By believing and trusting God, he sends an earthquake. God, you need an earthquake sent. And God could do that tonight in your life. Send you an earthquake through prayer and believing and trusting God by faith. I believe an earthquake sent by God that'll shake you from one end to the other, yet will bring a deliverance that you never anticipated nor expected. This guy runs in and falls down before them and is giving his life to Christ. Before this whole trial is over, those who despise you and hate you and causing you the biggest grief could be falling down before you, wanting to know, what must I do to be saved? That's an unbelievable story. And I'm fearful we read it with a ho-humness. Yeah, I heard that one, taught on that one. That's all highlighted. Is that all you're going to say about that one? I thought you had something cool. That is cool. Maybe there's a habit or some type of sin that has you in bondage, stocks and bonds, and you can't get free no matter what you do. You need an earthquake. Maybe these habits and stuff have your faith in jail. Maybe this situation has your faith and your belief in jail. It happens. Learn to sing and praise because there's no God like our God. Honor God even in your darkest hour. And God could send an earthquake of deliverance. He did it. It's right there. What's it written there for? Why is it in the Word of God? Because God knew that we would need this and have to see it. And that faith could be drawn up and mustered from this. Because we'll be in situations where we are in prison of our mind or emotions. Whatever it is. And God can send an earthquake of deliverance into you through prayer and belief. And hanging on to the word of God. There's no God like our God. Don't sit in doubt and disbelief. And ho-humness, don't sit in, well, I guess this is the way it is. Believe God. Continue to fight and believe. Continue to climb that mountain in belief and believe in God that there's no God like him. And all these accounts are not like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. No, you know this, but your retention is as bad as mine. Haman and Mordecai. What a story. What an account. How God unbelievably turned this situation around. Haman, the good-for-nothing, and Mordecai, the nobody believer. Esther 3, verse 1, says, After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadiah, the Agite, and advanced, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. Haman is now being received, and he's having all the authority in the land that there is. We don't have a whole lot of authority in this land. We don't have no elected officials among us, no high up that can have clout and do stuff. We don't. You can't walk in and say, I want to see the president. You can't hang around with senators. You don't have that. But this guy had all this. 
And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. I know you know this story, but man, let it sink in tonight. What do you think has all authority over you? Some habit, some habitual sin, something you can't seem to shake, and you're like a a puppet on a string, and it, it just tells you what to do. It has all authority over you, and I can't help myself. We can fall in that kind of stuff, whether it's physical or emotional. Verse 4 says, Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him that he hearkened not unto them. And they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matter would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not and did, uh, nor did him reverence, Haman was full of wrath, just wanted everybody to bow for him before him. Verse 6 says, And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai, wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom. He wanted to now just kill them all, and he had all authority, and verse 10 proves it. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamida, and Agite, the Jews' enemy. All authority the king now has. There's nothing that could stop him. And it looks like our nation's like that. It's like there's nothing whatsoever that can stop. Talking to someone not that long ago, says, I'm... I, I don't know. I don't even think I'm going to vote. I'm like, what? Because that's what's over. What? Why? What for? Pete's sake. All authority. What can we do? In verse 13, it says, And letters were sent by posts into all the king's providence to destroy, to kill, and cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women. I mean, that's gloom and doom. We know that John 10.10 tells us, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've told you over the years, that word destroy means to annihilate. And he comes to kill, steal, and to annihilate your faith in God and his ability to do powerful things and to turn things around, whether by earthquake or by one word. To annihilate your faith. So you sit like a bump on a log, not believing God to do anything. Even tonight, Haman couldn't stand the fact that Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. So Haman's wife speaks up. And I'll tell you what, you better thank God for a saved wife. Haman's wife speaks up and says about the dumbest thing in the world. Esther 5.14, then said Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends unto him, let a gallows be made 50 cubits high. That's somewhere around 75 feet high. And tomorrow speaks thou unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. Now, I know you know the story. But you, right now, gallows could be being made for you. However you think. Whatever situation you're in. Whatever's going on. No way of escape. You have no authority. The person hates you. You're on your way out. They're going to hang me. Or this sickness, or this disease, or this circumstance, or this situation in my life. Overpowering. There's nothing I can do. 
Now, who would have thought up the way that Mordecai is going to be delivered? I mean, come, God is too much. So the king, another night, goes to bed. And uh, I believe the next day, uh, Mordecai was going to hang. Look at it, verse, chapter 6, verse 1. On that night, could not the king sleep? You understand, he's going, I'm going, to, I'm going to sleep. And God's going, no, you're not. God just said, no, you're not. I mean, this is amazing. Who would thought this was God's deliverance? One night he could not sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles that they were read before the king. What? So the, he, first of all, he can't sleep. He always sleeps. Now, when he, he got up, he didn't ask for one of the women to horse around with them. He didn't ask for a drink. He didn't say, turn the ball game on. What's the odds he's going to ask for the book? What's the odds we can get a Christian to get up and go get the book? And so here's this king. Here, get the book and read me something, something to put me asleep. So what's the odds that the guy's going to go get the book, turn to the very spot, and read it? All that you could go in every place you could go in here. What's the odds? What would we say? What the odds are when it comes to God? Pretty good. Pretty good odds. I mean, it'd be nice if I, I can't remember how many words. How many sentences, how many chapters are in the entire Bible? And yet he happens to open up, read the account where Mordecai knew of an assassination attempt upon the king, told the guy in charge, got him, and arrested him, and the king lived, and nobody said boo to Mordecai. So they're reading that to the king. And he's like, what? Someone, who? Who was the one? Who was the one that spared my life? And they said, well, it was Mordecai. And his next question was, well, how did we bless Mordecai? We didn't do a thing to him. We didn't do nothing for him. What? Nothing? He risked his life. He came and told us the plot of an assassination of me, and we did nothing for him. This is, this is God's plan. Verse 3, King said, what honor and dignity had been done to Mordecai for this? King's servant ministered unto him, saying, there's been nothing done. Meanwhile, the gallows are all waxed. They're ready to go. Bands practiced. Lever works. Verse 4 says, and the king said, uh, who's in the court? Now, what's the odds? You understand what they're saying? Who's in the waiting room? Uh, who's next to see me? What the heck would he be doing there? The king's trying to sleep. Must have been we hours in the morning. I don't know. I'm just... Maybe I'm making that up, but why would somebody be there? If I get up in the wee hours in the morning and can't sleep, I'm not going to look at Ruth and say, who's out there waiting for us? But this is, what, this is what happened. Someone was there. Look who it was out of all the thousands. It's Haman. You look at your situation like it's impossible, like it's beyond God. <laughs> You're crazy. I'm crazy. When you start reading, look at this. I mean, Mordecai is probably going, I'm dead meat. You smuggle out this living will to my wife. Yeah, give my chariot to my boy and give this, I don't know, what was, what had to do something. Very figured he's done, he's done for. Who's next in the court? Well, it's Haman. 
Now Haman was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai. Haman comes. He's, you understand, he's getting in his car, he's driving to the king's palace. While the king's guy is reading him this great story about Mordecai. And Haman's going, I'm going to hang this boy. When I get there, I got all the authority, I'm going to tell the king. You get down, and he's walking to the parking lot, and the king's going, who is this? Mordecai. What have we done for him? Nothing. Walks in the door, tells the first guard, I'm here to see the king. Uh, Mordecai is toast. You have no clue what God's doing. Think Mordecai is in the jail going, just about right now, deliverance is coming. Probably what? He probably just finished scratching on the wall. Been here 59 months in the jail. Nothing happened. And this is amazing what happens. So they let Mordecai in. The king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Bring him in. So Haman comes in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now look what Haman's doing. He's going, Oh my goodness, this is better than I can. I can't believe it. He's all pumped, believing all this honor is going to be. Look how God turns your situations around. The Haman that's dogging for you, the, the noose that has your neck in it. Just believe God and trust him. Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delighted to honor, let the royal apparel be brought which the king uses to wear, the horses that the kings ride, the crown royal which is set upon his head. He's, he's making it over and above because he believes it's for himself. Look, the who would have thought that up? This is how God's going to deliver me. You have no clue what God's going to do. None whatsoever. Your job is just to believe and serve God like Mordecai. That's all. Just believe him. If I live, I'm going to serve you. God, if I die, I'm going to serve you that way. Live or die, I'm the Lord's. I mean, that's, that's it. You don't have to be the super saint that can remember the entire Bible. King said to Haman, make haste. Take thy apparel and the horse as thou hast said, and do even to Mordecai. I hope that's a replay in heaven. Would that be an awesome read? I want to see it in slow, super slow. I mean, come on. This is what God does for you and I. How God flips, turns this thing around. Mordecai. And then I tell you, it even gets better when you go to uh, chapter 7, the very last verse. It says, Done that. so they hung Haman on the gallows he had made for Mordecai. Now, I know the enemy's out there hammering and sawing and saying, you're dead, man. We're going to hang you. And that's part of the torture that he does to you. They build a 75-foot. You don't have to have 75 feet to get hung. I could do it off these, this bottom step. You just have things high enough. I could dangle. These are 10, 11 inches. Just do it 12 inches. I can't touch it. I'd hang. That's part of what the enemy does. He goes above and beyond to give you mental torment, and you hear the saw and the hammer right outside your window, your prison. And it's keep going up and up and up. 
You'll never get over this. You'll never get through this. This sickness will never stop. The doctors report this situation. You're going under. You have no money. Your marriage is over. Your kids are creeps. It's the truth. And another saw, and it goes up another 10 feet. What? And God, just the king couldn't sleep, grabs a book, reads in the right place. Who? Haman. Haman's already out there in the court. I don't know why we just don't believe God. It would just take so much stress off of us. There's no God like thee. There's no God like Jehovah. I mean, this is amazing what he does and these stories that he puts in there. I mean, just just for us, so that we could just believe him, that you could go to bed with your head on that pillow and just sleep and rest God. Even if you, I I don't know. I don't know. I can hear the saw. I can hear them clatter and I can see it being built, but I'm trusting God. Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Just take a little thought. What brought you to Christ? I have to venture to say it was something bad, something horrible, terrible circumstances. Usually something horrible has to happen to us. So even in these situations you might find yourself in now, something horrible brought you to something wonderful. And God can use horrible circumstances to bring you into something wonderful. And we're going to pray for that tonight. If you just have the courage to come up and just stand and we'll just pray. We'll get a hold of God and believe that there's no God like Jehovah. Isaiah 40, verse 18 says, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto Him? Who are you going to compare God to? Who? It's this, who could He even scripted out some type of play to go like this? this is, our God is amazing. Psalms 89.6 says, For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Whom among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto your Lord? No matter what situation you're in. Here's our last account. 2 Kings 4 says this. Think of the various promises that God has dropped in your lap. Various things God has said to you throughout your life serving God. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said, un- and she said unto him, and he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi, his servant, who he is, answered, Verily she hath no children, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, No, 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 my lord. Thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And that season that Elisha had said unto her, 
according to the time of life. There's nothing God can do. Nothing that He cannot do. Nothing. A barren woman, He just speaks through a prophet or a regular man says, about this time. And then she bears a son. But that's not the end of the story. Because the enemy, you have been birthed with various promises from God. You have been given them inside of you, and they have been growing inside. And lots of times, even they come and they're birthed, and then the enemy quickly comes and steps on them and smashes them. And it doesn't happen or pan out like you thought it should, like you planned it should. Because this child lived for a while and then died. So these promises are are birthed in you, something God has given you, and you've carried it and labored over it through prayer and, and, and agony and birthed it, and then it dies. And you know the story. Because anything God births lives, even though it's dead. Remember when Tabitha, they said, don't trouble the master, she's dead. Dead. I mean, the doctor was there. She's dead. Nothing's going on. What did Christ say? She ain't dead. She's sleeping. And so here's the situation. They said the child's dead. And so these promises that God has given you, and you stepped out by faith in whatever you have done in them, and then the enemy comes and he tries to smash them to pieces and destroy your promises and your belief in God. And then the Word of God goes on in 4 Kings, or 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, it says, when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead. Now, no doubting it was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went therein, shut the door upon them both and prayed unto the Lord. Went up and laid upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked into the house to and fro and went up, stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Don't give up on things because they haven't happened or worked out like you thought. Even things that initially were birthed and promised by God, and you're off and running, and then they drop dead. Whatever it is, a relationship, a person, a marriage, a son, a belief, a job, a whatever. Because there's no God like us. None. I mean, who would thought? I've been to a lot of deathbeds. I never thought I need to climb up on this person, put my lips on his lips, put my... Who knows what God will do and how God will bring life? What trouble is trying to take you down? You need to name it today. You need to bring it up here and pray. Get a hold of God. Start seeing what God will do. Start trusting and believing on what God might do. We sing that song, there's no God like Jehovah, but I don't know if we believe it. Tonight we're going to put it to the test. We're going to sing that song. And what we want you to do is we want you to come up here. Those of you who say, I'm going, to, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to bring this situation. I, it looks dead. In fact, I would pronounce it dead, but I'm going to believe God. And then I'm going to listen for a sneeze. Or maybe a God will send an earthquake. Whatever it is, God will speak, and this situation will come back to life because I believe my God.
because there's no God. Maybe you're the one that's dead. Maybe you've been dead. And you just want God to do something wonderful. And believe God for a miracle. Trust him. Let's stand. Now you need to listen to something. That's an important. This is not the conclusion. This is the part for you to step out and believe now. The song, hopefully, is just to add to the atmosphere to you, you to believe. To have something to believe in, to grab as you sing and see and trust and hear. Look at the accounts and examine yourself. And you say, I'm going down. I'm going to pray. I'm going to agree with somebody, no matter how many times you've done it. That's part of still climbing and not plateauing. Oh, well, what's the use? No, there is a cause. There is a reason. We still have issues among us, sickness and divisions and heartaches and disappointments and sadness. And let's start believing. There's no God like Jehovah. We kind of chuckled at the story because they're so amazing. But this is real life now. This is just the real Joe. I need this from God. And I hope you do too. As they play, I want you to come down here and stand. I'm going to ask Daryl and Bruce and whoever else we might need. If we have a ton, we'll get more to pray. Pray and believe that there's no God like Jehovah. And don't tell God what to do. Don't tell him how to do it. Before I get home, it better. No, don't tell God anything. Just come and say, God, I believe. i got to believe this. Because there's no God like you. Amen? Okay, let's sing and see what happens.